Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, including expert service providers. We're pleased to have with us today Dan Thompson, the owner of DG Rehabilitation Technologies with offices in Arizona and Canada. Dan's company provides life care plans, vocational assessments, rehabilitation, and motivational speaking services to insurers, attorneys, and medical practitioners to improve the quality of life for those with life-altering disabilities. Dan himself is a registered rehabilitation professional, registered vocational professional, and also a certified life planner. Dan, we're very pleased to have you with us today. Thank you, John. I, I really appreciate you having me. Today's topic is on health care system reform in the U.S. and Canada and the impact on the U.S. insurance industry and the legal community. And Dan, first off, what exactly is a life care planner and vocational expert? And more importantly, what impact do they have on the insurance industry? Sure. Well, John, as a life care planner and a vocational expert, it's my job or duty to inform the court system as to what reasonable compensation an individual might need after an accident and or in a litigation setting. So, for example, if someone was working, let's say, as a construction worker, and heaven forbid they were to sustain a catastrophic injury by means of either an amputation, a spinal cord injury similar to what I have, or some other catastrophic injury, what type of job could they do going forward? And in essence, it's my job, I guess, to make those recommendations and try to look at ways of mitigating what those costs will be going forward and try to also improve the quality of life of that individual. So the way it affects the insurance industry in particular is that obviously insurance premiums are in place for individuals to receive some type of compensation, but as one insurance leader told me, it's not there as a lottery, it's there as a means of a gap or a bridge to get them back in the lifestyle which they had before. So, Nan, how do you interact with the lawyers, the court system, other interested parties, and more importantly, the insurance industry? Sure. Basically, uh, in the case of an insurance company, in a lot of times, as I'm sure you can appreciate, when you have a catastrophic injury, you could be talking about millions of dollars for this individual. They may require housing renovations. They may require van renovations or vehicle renovations to get them back into their quote-unquote pre-accident lifestyle. They may require attendant care to get them up and dressed and do the things they need to do. So the way I would interact with the insurance companies is that in a lot of times they would earmark what the cost would be and then of course they would work with their own reinsurance company to ensure that they have the money set aside to cover those costs. The way I would work with either the lawyers and or the court system is that I would be retained as an expert either on the plaintiff and or the defense side. Uh, It would be my job to read all the medical information, both pre-accident and post, to try to come up with a reasonable amount that isn't what I call greedy and over the top, but something that's going to allow that individual to assume pre-accident lifestyle as much as possible, and then the way I would interact in the court was that I would be retained as that expert to provide evidence to the court system and uh, 
hopefully the jurors or in the uh, case of a uh, workers' compensation case, the judge would deem my evidence to be worthy so that, in essence, I would make those recommendations to the court. And because it is an adversarial process, typically there would be another life care planner and or vocational expert on the other side commenting on what they feel the damages are. Now, Dan, there's a lot of controversy and uncertainties uh, regarding Obamacare. How do you see that impacting the damages that plaintiffs or claimants receive? Uh, for sure. Especially here in the United States, there's a, uh, a rule called the collateral source rule. And it's my understanding, John, that typically that rule is set up and in place to ensure that the defense does not get a windfall. In other words, if that individual has insurance, and basically what the rule indicates is that you're not supposed to consider any type of collateral source that's going to cover those costs because for whatever reason that insurance policy uh, may dry up, they may not be able to uh, receive government subsidies or any type of other costs that are going to cover the, the care. So in essence, what Obamacare is now talking about is what we've had in Canada for numerous years, and that's a universal health care system. Now, I think it's beginning stages. By my numbers, what I've seen is that you've got 15 million people supporting, you know, 350 million people. So at this stage, I think we've got a long ways to go before that reform is in place. But the theory is that when you have Obamacare, in essence, you should have at least basic coverage for hospital stays, and everything else. So when we write a life care plan, our job is to try to take into consideration all costs necessary to help mitigate that claim. So that'll include future hospital visits. That will include MRIs and diagnostic testing. That will include doctor visits and everything else. So in essence, what you're talking about is a duplication of that. So the implications going forward, John, are the fact that you really are only then talking about threshold items. So in essence, basic care should be in place. Most people should get that so that the role of the life care planner or the role of the adversarial process between defense and plaintiffs then will only look at those threshold items such as ban modifications, housing modifications, excess attendant care, and that sort of thing. Having said that, as I'm sure you can appreciate, each plan for each individual is going to be different. So even though you're talking about universal health care through Obamacare, each state may have different rules, each policy may have different rules, and so as such, each individual has to be looked at on a case-by-case -case basis. So the way I see it going forward, John, is that my role as a life care planner, if anything else, is going to become more entrenched in the legal system because obviously they're going to need our expertise to advise the courts accordingly. And Dan, can you comment on some of the coverage differences you've seen and experienced between the U.S. and Canada? Well, sure. Uh, uh, as an example, here in the United States, I'm just working on at least four or five spinal cord injury cases up in the uh, northwest area. So in those cases, we still have the same individual who's looking at attending care, housing modifications, the whole bit. 
the difference is here in the United States, you have to cover all those hospital stays. You have to cover the attendant care necessary. You have to cover the transportation costs, the whole bit. In Canada, that same individual would not be subjected to any kind of segregated claim from a catastrophic injury. And then as such, when they receive their settlement, the coverages are going to be in place and they could still go to their local ER if they have an issue down the road uh, without having to pay for that. They would still be able to get their local primary care physician cost covered and the whole gamut. So that's really, I think, the primary difference between uh, U.S. and Canada, at least the way I see it, John. Can you tell us about some of your other interesting cases? Sure. I mean, that's the nice thing, I guess, about the type of work that I do is that it's very diversified and varied. Fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, when someone sustains a catastrophic injury, it doesn't have a bias in terms of demographics. It doesn't have a bias in terms of the income level of that individual. So I've had cases with people who have been borderline poverty cases. I've also had individuals who are quite successful. I've had cases where people have been bankers, people who have been sports figures, and people that have been quite prominent, as in politicians and that sort of thing. So the nice thing about this is that each case, as I said before, is very individualized. And the important thing, having gone through this myself, I broke my neck way back in 1980. I understand the importance and the impact that my reports are going to have on these people's lives going forward. You want to make sure that they get what is reasonable and necessary and not what's greedy and over the top. So, as an example, people with burns, I did a huge case down in South Carolina, and burns, as I'm sure you can appreciate, would have all the cost or most of the cost for an unloaded. That's where people would require skin surgeries like debridements, skin grafting, all that. And with today's advancements in medicine, Typically, once those burns have been treated and once they, in essence, have been uh, recovered, they don't have a lot of cost down the road. Whereas someone with an acquired brain injury or someone with a spinal cord injury, at least the rules go as they get older, they're going to need even more cost. So that coverage is even more important to ensure that they're going to be able to meet their needs both now and in the future. And Dan, what do you see for the future for life care planners and for vocational experts? Yeah, well, as I indicated before, I would say that, if anything else, at least from a defense perspective, life care planners are in their fledgling stage. I think there's going to be more emphasis on relying on experts such as myself, where we can provide the court system, similar to Medicare set-asides, where we can ensure a reasonable amount is going to be given to those individuals to make sure that they can rebuild their lives, to make sure that they can become, um, uh, you know, bona fide women and men in our society and become full participants if they choose to do so. I mean, after all, North America is the land of opportunity, and I see our role as life care planners in ensuring that we can provide the court system which is an adversarial system, with the information they need to make informed decisions going 
Dan, thanks so much. It was a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you. That was Dan Thompson, the owner of DG Rehabilitation Technologies with offices in Arizona and Canada. Special thanks to today's producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 